The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber. He is Jim Cramer. We are at the New York Stock Exchange. Carl has the morning on. All right, let's give you a look at futures, of course, as we get ready to start trading for this week. You can see, I don't know, I can't make sense of that. Nothing. Right? No. That says nothing. Nothing. All right, so let's get to our roadmap because that says a lot more. We start with the China crackdown. Shares of ride-hailing giant Didi, they are tumbling ahead of the open. Less than one week after, of course, the Chinese uh, ride-hailing app listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Oil prices, they are rising to six-year highs. This after OPEC and talks there yield no production deal. And once again, we're keeping an eye on shares of AMC. They're rallying the movie theater chain, saying it's not going to seek approval from shareholders to boost its shares outstanding, be able to potentially issue more. Let's start, though, with, of course, uh, China and that uh, crackdown overall from the government. You can see shares of Didi, remember, went public at 14 and went up from there only to go down in Friday's session. And now it's going to be down sharply, Jim. This on news, of course, of a national security review by the Chinese regulators and a lot of other news. I thought perhaps more interesting even than that. Well, not more, but also worth mentioning is a Wall Street Journal story that basically says the Chinese regulators suggested to Didi that it delay its IPO. And that does get back to the idea that, well, what were they rushing for? Why didn't they amend their risk section? If they knew that perhaps they were doing something Chinese regulators weren't happy about or at least had asked them to do prior to going public. Um, And then, of course, it raises the larger issues for so many of these Chinese companies that come public in the U.S. And overall, frankly, in terms of the Chinese government simply saying we're in charge, totally in charge, totally in control. You do what we want. Now, I, I was surprised that the first person we didn't hear from today was Gary Gensler. I mean, this is a disclosure issue. Uh, the SEC is in charge of disclosure. Sunlight is the best disinfected, Judge Brandeis. So what I come away with is I say, all right, what did J.P. Morgan know? Did they do? What did, what did Goldman Sachs and Morgan what did Stanley Sachs know? know? Yeah. What did Morgan Stanley know? What did these investors know who apparently pressured them to come public? Uh, and then, of course, are we done here? Uh, would you ever buy another one of these? Because, frankly, this was one that you would, in any other sport, have a do-over. You would cancel this offering. Now, we did have a canceled offering for Wilt Chamberlain years and years ago. This is obviously much bigger. But, David, I, I, I thought that this was a good company. I thought that they had the app and they would keep growing and eventually everyone be using it. It may very well be a good company. But right well, now but it's mobile grow. app stores, you know, it, uh, as as part of this cybersecurity review, um, they've blocked DD, the company's app, from accepting new users. And now as well, they've ordered mobile app stores to pull DD's right. app from circulation. So there's no way they're adding any new customers, at least for now, until the cybersecurity review has been completed. 
Uh, there seems to be concern amongst the Chinese regulators that foreign interests. Yeah, you know, they want want to know, make sure their servers are in China. Are there? Are, are components of the oh, servers please. made elsewhere? Well, listen, they just that want goes to on here all the time, too. I mean, you know, in terms other of than Mar- Marco Rubio, Senator Rubio, no one was saying, hey, listen, maybe this thing shouldn't happen. And uh, I think that we're now at the moment, David, the moment of truth, where does the Chinese government want deals here? Because if they wanted deals to come here, they just wrecked it. I mean, I would question any investment bank that says, you know what, we need this business. Yeah. We need it, and we well, need it to make our quarter. You, I don't know. You've been one of the few people that's been advocating that we ban them from our capital markets. Actually, I'm the Chinese only one that companies. I can tell, yes. because even my friend Peter Navarro, there I said it, Yes, it has not come out with a blanket boycott like I've um, I said. But in some ways, the Chinese government seems to almost be agreeing agree with, with you. Now, I don't, I, listen, again, you know, you try to do as much reporting as you can. Frankly, for me, that ends up being talking to a lot of capital markets sure. people. Because I, I, I don't have sources in China who are going to well, be able to tell me what really is going on. That said, uh, and we rely on Eunice Yoon, obviously, for her great reporting. But that said, it doesn't appear that this is, well, we really want to, uh, uh, you know, uh, hurt this company because they chose to go public in the U.S. As much as it simply would seem to be another sign that the Chinese are saying we're fully in control. Now, well, we see what right. they have done in the past. It was last summer, the Ant Financial IPO, which... Right. Uh, was going to be the largest single IPO right. of all time. We talked about it a good amount. Uh, and then it went by the wayside as a result of significant changes that were being ordered by the regulators in terms of their business, which made it less potentially less profitable. We saw the fine against Alibaba. We saw uh, even these smaller education companies right. and the changes they made in terms of the ability for tutoring and things of that nature. Chinese are in control. If you want to list something in this country uh, on our markets at this point, Jim, you'd have to imagine that everybody would have to have incredibly well-documented approvals from every single person in the Chinese regulatory community so that investors would feel comfortable. It's completely outrageous. They were told, basically, don't do this deal. They did not disclose that. Back to the journal story. I would like to know what syndicate desks thought. Did syndicate desks say, hey, listen, we're fine, even though the PRC has clearly, clearly said, if you go against us in any way, shape, or form, we are going to exact... Revenge. And they did. No, you're, listen, you're absolutely right. The lead underwriters here, I'm sure, are getting a lot of calls today from people who are saying, I would say what, so. what, what did you know? When did you know it? And right. why did you allow this to happen if you, in fact, knew what the journal's reporting, which is that, that the regulators said, don't do it. Right. Don't do it yet. We're right. not, we don't want you to go. Uh, look, I, I would love to. There, this thing is so opaque. There will be no answers. No one will give us an answer. We will only have this story. You think anybody, an executive from Didi, is going to come on? And say, hey, listen, no. uh, sorry. What? What? Uh, any it, larger takeaways here? I mean, obviously, the stock. We've got the DD story, which again was the largest IPO of a Chinese company since Alibaba. Well, the they raised IPOs, over four billion dollars in our in our market. The large Chinese IPOs um, have worked for the most part. It's been the smaller ones that have been lucking. Coffee. Well, luck and right now that gets that back to that gets back to audited financials, which is right. yet another thing we are going to try to be requiring. Right. That's still working its way through the system. Three years of audited financials before you can even come public here. Right. There was an, a, an underwriter who tried to browbeat me on Luckin, saying I hadn't done the work, I hadn't done my homework, and I didn't say see in court. But I mean, wait, are you kidding me? I mean, you know, everyone at the, the lowest level, the lowest barista at Starbucks in China although they're all associates, knew that Luckin wasn't delivering. But this one is shocking because this is basically the Chinese saying, OK, we're probably going to let some through. 
but not anyone that has servers here. But most importantly, well, these guys don't. Who I know. There's nothing. Most importantly, you're a moron if you buy a Chinese steel after this. You're a moron. I mean, I don't care if it pops. Unless, unless you buy it at a huge discount somehow. I mean, is that what it amounts why to? Why do you need to have, why do you need to put your capital at risk after this? I mean, I, if I were the head of any, well, frankly, I really want to know if the American companies knew anything about this that did this deal. Because that, the un, again, the, the under that would be Gary right. Gensler. I mean, Gensler, now, right now, Gensler should be saying, you know, these are, by the show. way, the other two names that are also impacted by the yeah, cybersecurity yeah, review. Logistics company, well. so, so great. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, you know, Kent Kenson, online recruiting. Remember, all of these are kind of, yes, well, you know, we've gone through they a lot all of have uh, analogs here. But I, I would say that Gensler should, in our show's time, issue a release saying he's looking into what did they know and when did they know and American underwriters, because that's where the pressure point has to be. Because yep. we can't pressure the PRC. They're too busy beating us up everywhere. Right? <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? We're like worried about Taiwan. There's Gary. Did he do something, or is that just a picture of Gary? It's a nice picture of it. It's kind of like Woodstock. It's a nice picture. Yeah, wait. Well, we'll get to that. When too. we get, oh, we'll get next door. Uh, let's, we'll do next door also, of course, going public through his back. All right, you say Woodstock. we got to show you a little Woodstock. There you go. Um, let's and we're move doing on. next door. Uh, that That'll was not the OPEC meeting, which is what we're going to actually talk about. Oh, yeah, that was That's a fiasco. It was not the video from the OPEC Move meeting. It up. OPEC leaders did hit an impasse, that, uh, no agreement on raising production limits. Crude oil, well, it is uh, right near what's the highest level it's seen since 2014, right around 75 bucks. Yeah, it could go to 100. A lot of people think it goes to that's 100. Suddenly, that's, that's all the rage, saying but it could go it, to 100. The out-of-control thing that I see, and thank you, uh, RBN Energy, for this, the, the curve... The, the curve out a few years is still saying 55. It's still look here's the forward curve. David in November of 23 is saying uh, a little bit below 60. Now I mean how is that possible? I don't know. You tell me. Well, because a lot of people feel that once oil gets to a certain level, then we turn on the spigot. We've been the ones that have been holding back. We, as in, especially in the Permian. Yes. We're, what, we're down over 2 million barrels a day in terms of production, right? I've got some right. stats uh, it's on down. That, they just but, actually yeah. boosted a little bit last week. There was right. a little bit of a boost. But, David, all you got to do is go, if you want the whole story about oil, I mean, I'm talking about the whole story. Tell me. you got to go to, believe it or not, Devon. Devon Energy which was up 33%, the second best performer in the S&P in the uh, second quarter, where Rick Moncrief, whom I met when he used to be uh, the guy really running Continental, who's just a genius. WPX merges with Devin. I don't know if you remember that deal, but it turns out that Rick becomes the CEO. Yes. And he has an impassioned screed against every oil company that's just going for volume. High returns on capital employed, reduced reinvestment rates, and free cash flow generation will determine the winners in this cycle, he says in his note, not the historic behavior of delivering outsized production growth. So he's the first one who really just said, that's it, we're done. We are going to pay down debt. We are going to return money to shareholders. He has a fixed and a variable dividend. And David, that's the man and his acolytes that have made it so we're not producing what we should. And by the way, Permian oil, that's light crude. Our refineries are built for heavy crude. Keystone pipeline. But when you, it's funny when you say not producing what we should. Well, what, what, what should we be? Well, I mean, why isn't this the right amount, given that it actually is very helpful to well, many of the companies that produce it? Because I think consumers deserve better. We are I making it so that 
the consumers. Of, yeah, we're still no. importing about three over three million barrels a day. Well, remember what we export because we export light crude, right? Because we don't have the refinery capacity to handle the light crude. If you are Ford or GM, you are looking at this and saying, "This is it. Electric cars are going to have a real runway." Okay. And we also have, I mean, a lot of people are saying, you know what, all of these different electric car SPACs are going to go under. I beg the difference. People are going to get their Lucid soon. And if you've been in a Lucid, it's a darn good car. The Fisker Ocean is beautiful. Fisker Ocean's being made, remember, with the help of Magna. I okay. think these companies are for real. They may very well be, and Lucid may very well be for real. But let's not forget Lucid, CCIV, too. It's going to have 1.6 billion shares outstanding. So it's an over $40 billion market value. Well, that if we take a look. It can well, make it, but they should um, do it. But you're right. With gas prices do. rising significantly, it does Let's make the, the, an EV look even more attractive to a, to a consumer. Right. And, I and guess, they, yeah. look, gasoline certainly in a, in a fabulous piece that, Rain, that uh, Rusty did call What a Fool Believes, Rusty Brazil. He basically talks about how the, the widespread increase in price is just demand overwhelming supply. And, and there's just amazing demand and production just, and you know, demand is just well exceeding supply. So could oil go to 100? Yes. Would you play it with a major? No, you'd play it with Devin. Okay. D-V-N, Devin. Coming up. J-E-T-S, Jets, D-V-N, Devin. <laughs> I haven't heard the Jets chant in a long time. Coming up, social media app next door is going public via SPAC. We're going to talk with its CEO, Sarah Fryer. That'll be in the next half hour of our show. Let's give you a look at futures, of course, as we are a little more than 15 minutes from an opening bell right here at the New York Stock Exchange. A lot more squawk on the street straight ahead. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shei, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. AMC announcing it's not going to seek shareholder approval to boost the number of shares it has outstanding. Remember, Chris, this is important because the company has reached its limit in terms of how much stock it can sell, how many shares it can actually have. And it needed authorization from shareholders to sell more, to raise more money, to potentially change its trajectory in some fashion. Jim, as its market value still hangs in there at above, what, over 25 
yeah, billion dollars. Let me just make sure I'm, I'm right on that. But it's basically, I think, that's what I last look, saw. Look, um, I've known Adam for years. Adam has uh, done what I think the capital markets suggest you do. As your stock goes higher, you need to perhaps refinance debt. By the way, Carnival, not refinancing, not selling stock that I can tell what they did. Yeah. They're refinancing 11% coupon. Uh, so what Adam has to do is basically go on the offense now, buying chains, okay? And he can do that because he's got a... Yeah, but he's still stock. in the movie business. He's still in the business of showing movies. He's doing circuit. Which is, which is, Post-circuit and by the way, the business. windows for which, not that it's going away, but w- the windows for which are tightening. And I mean, okay, he can get even bigger. Well, woohoo. Look, Adam, Adam isn't, uh, do, you, do you know all the companies maybe that he has should, either saved maybe or? Maybe they should merge with GameStop. Oh, you are so brilliant sometimes. <laughs> And my own TV, I mean, my partner's brilliant. Brilliant, right? He's brilliant. Yeah. They and merge two together. GameStop, and it's like Robin oh Hood is, they do it the day Robin Hood comes public. Come public. And, you know, there I sit there and I think, they pants the whole industry. Exactly. They pants them. You, you would be, it would be over. Now, a lot of AMC people, when you go to Adam Aaron's, uh, you know, Adam put out his statement on Twitter. Yes, he did. So Adam really understands the complex of Twitter Robin Hood. He's been communicating Reddit. with his shareholder base, which is a very different one than he had pre-pandemic. And he, he said, listen, it's no secret. I think we could have authorized another $25 million, But what you think is important to us, many yes, many no. And we're not going to go ahead with, this, with, uh, with such a move. So we're canceling the July vote on more well, shares. Wait, let's remember the no we had requests. Adam Aaron on. I mean, at that point, he was talking about doing 500 million shares. And uh, whether he could vote on that, it would have been voted on. Uh, that, obviously, he pulled back. But, David, if you're shorting AMC, right, or you're just, like, buying puts. Yes. Because you know there's some more coming. Yes. He just socked you right in the kisser. He did. He did. I, I just, you, know, so you continue to come back to the long-term viability of both AMC as a business in terms of whether it's worth $26 billion, which, of course, virtually none of the analysts who follow the company, if there are any who even do anymore, believe is the case. I, I know a There's lot of no, people say to me, how can you go on air with a straight face and say this company Well, you can't. Exist? No, not exist. Of course you can. Well, I can but come on air, at a $26 I can billion come on air and say that value? Adam Aaron's doing his darn best. To he save is. the company and that perhaps this was the right thing to do because he does care about the shareholders. He he has. He has said lately that he's going to go on offense. He's going to buy others. David, there are I, I asked him if he's going to buy the British company that is that holds that has lots of theaters. Uh, he obviously, you know, kind of he kind of uh, something exploded like come a up with a real pivot, I think. He's gonna to have to come up with that big pivot. Well, David, you just came up big with pivot. the pivot. The game stopped. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Cohen. Right. Adam Aaron, done your way. Oh, my God. Those show guys movies together? In, would show you movies? show movies in GameStop? Would you, would you sell? Take, sell GameStop? Maybe you game. Maybe it's maybe you bring people in to watch the big game tournaments uh, in the AMC. Yes. Pay-per-view. Yes, and you go to Take-Two. And, and you, you have go a, to maybe you get a, a subscription. Activision Blizzard. So you can go anytime you want. Subscription, subscription, uh, subscription uh, values are through the roof. You always pay a higher multiple for Absolutely, a subscription revenue. Absolutely, it's consistent. I think we got it. Well, he does give you pop. Remember, shareholders get popcorn. You get popcorn. And David, have you played? You know we're talking about seven, eight dollar popcorn. And I don't know, get that butter, bad. David, because it's not butter. It's not butter. It is not. I can't believe it's not butter. Oh, it ain't butter. It is some sort of chemical that is definitely made either by Dow or Olin. <laughs> And you see the price of chlorine still doing well. 
All right, up next, we're going to get Jim's mad dash, counting you down to the opening bell. We're going to talk a lot about that ransomware attack as well. Let's uh, take a look at uh, futures here. You can see uh, not much in terms no, of the direction that uh, is being uh, indicated by those futures when we start trading. Ten minutes from now, stay with us. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Seven minutes before we get started with trading, first trading session. Of course, it is a Tuesday. Let's get to a mad dash. One of your greatest calls of all time. What was the best performing stock in the second quarter? The S&P? NVIDIA. I call them DaVinci. That's what I call Jensen. Right. It's NVIDIA. It was up 49%. Uh, do you know that this company was a $15 billion company five years ago? And now it's $510 billion. That is That's, incredible. That is incredible. Well, even more incredible, as you know, that the U.K. authorities have issued, basically said, listen, this is national security. This weekend, David, I don't well, know if well, you well, you got, you're jumping ahead. Well, you have to okay. explain. You, the Arm uh, Holdings uh, oh, deal that NVIDIA is pursuing to buy that from SoftBank. Right. Sorry, yeah, uh, which which controls it, knows it. Forty billion dollar largest uh, semiconductor. They continue to be somewhat confident they can get the deal done from a regulatory perspective. Uh, they are almost alone in that view. Well, but, no. Simon Seegers, the CEO of Arm, came out this weekend yes. and said there's a massive potential for a combined expertise to push the technology of the future to new heights. David, he said that people say they should do an IPO. No, because what would happen then? They would have to just suffocate uh, innovation. The, the deliver short-term revenue growth and profitability would make it so they basically can't move fast and innovate. David, the big objection by UK authorities is minimizing British tech. No. They are now being assured by Jensen, Jensen Wong, that if anything, they're going to build up uh, AI and that may help. in UK. So this, this blog, it's, which you probably didn't get a chance to I read, didn't. I didn't. this blog was so pro-NVIDIA that I think the UK authorities are going to have to rethink their negativity. Because what he's basically saying is if we don't merge, we can't keep up. And what about uh, the Chinese antitrust authorities? You know, the Chinese, as much as we are direct, you know, critical, suspicious, there is no overlap. Because one's PC and cell phone, which, which is ARM, and the other's high-performance computing and gaming, mm-hmm. which is NVIDIA. By the way, they have the best autonomous. We may have to talk about autonomous to Tesla. But and then the, there's just I think the Look Chinese have move. historically looked to see whether there's overlap. And yeah. there is none. Yeah. Uh, Look at that, will you? That's incredible. That's and by the way, for the record, May. you know what arrived in the mail this weekend for me? I don't. NVIDIA the seconds tag to be able to walk right in to NVIDIA's headquarters. Oh, very nice. And it's just right with Jensen, who sent a very nice note saying that uh, that his dad would like that. And I'm NVIDIA, the second stat. It also called him, you know, it said NVIDIA Ragu Kramer. He used the second. I like the way middle name is the name that Lisa, my wife, calls it. But I call him NVIDIA. He answers to anything, anybody who has a, a, right. anybody who has a treat. Huh. You got a treat? All right. All right. Uh, we got to go. Oh. Enough with the dog. Oh, so I have a little fun. And I love You dogs. merge GameStop with AMC. Love them. Enough. We got an opening bell coming up. 
All right, welcome back. You know, one of the stories, Jim, that you and I are going to be talking a lot more about, and we talk about it a lot, is the whole, what I believe is actually a seismic change in the way people work. We know that, but will be. It's not going back to the way it was pre-pandemic. It's simply not. Now, this morning, you got J.P. Morgan's return to the office. There are going to be a handful of firms that require a certain percentage of their employees or certain groups of employees to be back five days a week. But they're going to be outliers. The more executives I ask who run large and small organizations, Jim, and I'm sure you're the same, the more I get the answer. Hybrid, hybrid, hybrid. It's what our employees want, and we can't go against them. One of the best performers in the S&P in the second quarter, and I went over them because I think they often are a precursor for the rest, is a company called Pool. Now, what is Pool? Swimming pools. And they are now saying that things are getting stronger. You'd think it would be that's counterintuitive, but that's because more, you know, they're talking about greater millennial participation in the housing market, and the millennials are choosing jobs where they can do a hybrid. So this is, to me, a sign that the backyard improvement story is not going away. David, the ramifications of this are so big. So enormous. And Jim, let me just take a quick minute here, because of course you heard the opening bell. Uh, That was here at the big board. It's business processing outsourcing company Alight celebrating its listing via SPAC. It's de-SPACing. We're going to talk to the CEO on TechCheck. Over at the NASDAQ, Bolt Biotherapeutics. That's a company focused on immunoecology. By the way, Jim, back to this story that I think is one of the biggest business stories Uh, out there. No, this is incredible. Which is how how large and small organizations are dealing with the return to work and or what they're willing to deal with. It's just... There are, there's, I mean, I don't know if New York City and other metropolitan areas with large office spaces uh, have adjusted yet. They're thinking they're just, it's never going back to 100 percent. No. Over time, these organizations may grow such that they take more space with 65 percent of their employees coming in every day. But that's that's about it. You know, and David Solomon now in the article, it's, it's not the, the Wall Street Journal article. Goldman staff members return on June 14th and were greeted with a fleet of food trucks. Yes. David. Food trucks versus pool at home. Which do you want? Right. You're gonna, right? You're going to go for the Barbecue. pool. Barbecue. I mean, look, you can work uh, around the clock at home. They can make you work. You but can, they want to see you in order to evaluate you. But Jim, and, what are the longer term ramifications here? And how do you go about measuring whether it's working? What you've heard throughout the pandemic and, and even now in these months that we can argue are sort of post-pandemic or we hope. Uh, everybody will tell you productivity was great. We had incredible productivity. Now, by the way, that may be changing because people can do a lot more than they could during the pandemic right yes. now. Uh, and so it's unclear whether people staying at home are going to be quite as productive. But overall, how are we going to measure? How is an organization Stolen going to measure client? the things that, yeah, but the things that you can't, you know, that you are going, how, uh, how do you measure, well, a lack of innovation or have we innovated at the same pace we would have? Have we problem solved? Do we have cohesion as an organization in the same way? Those things would seem to be difficult to measure other than via, I guess, a stock price and or back to productivity. But if you're out west, OK, let's say you work for Salesforce. I mean, you can do everything on Zoom. Yeah. Mark likes Mark Benioff likes to pull people together. He's a convivial fellow. Right. But he's and not going to require them. He's not ever going to require five no. days back in the office. No. Particularly for software engineers and people of that nature who right. typically, you know, can be somewhat introverted. I don't want to say generally speaking, well, I mean, many are not. The introvert, the COVID was the greatest thing that ever happened to the introverts, according to my daughter. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, um, obviously nobody. But they, you COVID's can. horrible. You can, uh, you know, there, many software engineers are saying, I'm not, why do I need to be in the office? Okay, so Salesforce, um, what are they buying? I don't know. Slack. 
Right. What does Slack do? Collaborative software. What is collaborative software? Work at home. Yes, it is. Uh, I just think it people is. really got, you know, there's all this stuff, value versus growth. That was canard. That was a false dichotomy, David. It produced no winners. If you followed that, you didn't make any money. What you did, though, if you decided to think about ones that were stay at home mm-hmm. that didn't stop, well, DocuSign up 38%. Because what we recognize is we're never going back. DocuSign means you don't have to get together for a real estate deal. Right. You know, when we buy one of the 40 houses that my wife likes to buy, we do everything DocuSign. I, I think I bought a house without even knowing it. I, I, I mean, I press the wrong button. I own a house. Every day you're signing a DocuSign every day, for a different house. I, I buy house. houses. I'm like, I'm trying to sell sure. some of these houses. No, I, you're it's like take, a car. It comes off the lot. Gonna, you don't get the same you're price. You're going to sell that portfolio to Blackstone soon and take it public. Yeah, why not? People were asking me whether Blackstone's the way to play housing. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Blackstone, by the way, one, again, one of the firms that I think is requiring a, a fairly robust return to the office. Yes, along with Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan. But even in financial services, there are divisions uh, in terms of approach. I know Jeffries, for example, not UBS, City, uh, And so even there. But be, after you get out of financial services, I, I, I just no one I speak to who runs no. these companies is because they do these surveys of their of their employees, and the employees say, "Yeah, we want to be able to work from home at least a couple of days a week." Employees' views matter because of the competitive marketplace. Right. I mean, typically, but do you believe that you and I can be viewed as uh, triceratops, whatever dinosaur you want to call us? Yeah, I think so. When uh, we used to, when you talk to people of our cohort, let's call it, there is a belief that there is a benefit to being in the office every day. But that does not seem to be shared by those who are far younger than we are. Well, it's hard to be team. When I was at Goldman, we emphasized team. Well, it, it's difficult to be team without being together. Yeah. Uh, that's why I think David Solomon is right. Now, David Solomon, you know, it's going back and forth. I want rigorous exams. I want classes Friday night. I want testing Friday night. I want to pose yeah, the, put out know, the worst gonna, the people who can't finish lose, Spotify. You might lose. And I'm told by employees? this weekend, yeah. I met people from Goldman. Yeah. They said I was out of touch. Out of touch. That's what my I My baby. Hearing. Yep. Right? Yep. I keep hearing the same. And I, I found it embarrassing because I said, yeah, out of touch. We did pretty darn well. You want to measure? Well, that's a question. Productivity. That would be, be the measure. Very interesting to see over the next three years if you can compare one organization that was more or less in, in the office every day versus one that isn't, who's going to succeed well, or you know, not. Well, you know, a lot of doors. How do you, you measure next door, it? You've know, got a next door, you've got a class door. People are rating you. Yeah. They're rating you about how you are. As an employer. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, I, I would say, well, I guess if I was a talented computer scientist... I might jump from Google to, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, Jassy calls me now that he's running Amazon. Amazon. That's right. By the way, Amazon breaking out. Now, I thought that was interesting because Amazon, Apple breaking out. These are two of the A's in Fang. You're there right. was a note today saying Amazon time up, to buy Apple. JP Amazon Morgan. is up 2% and now suddenly it's up 10% for the year. That's yep. a sudden, that is go. a sudden Look breakout. Look at Amazon. Well, What's is behind that a breakout that, or is that a breakout? Yeah, why? Why is that happening? What, Amazon? Yeah. Well, it should never have been just kind of hanging around. I mean, Amazon took amazing share. There was absolutely nothing to say that that ticked. Another characteristic of the second quarter winners, companies that took share and didn't give it back. Mm-hmm. Amazon. Right. A lot of people who had not shopped at Amazon because they didn't want to go to a store shopped. And they liked it so much, they have stuck with it. Um, you know, I, yeah, I wonder. Do you know that I pressed the wrong button and I got 40 different bottles of DEET? 
I meant to get four DEET. I have 40 DEET. That's, uh, you'll use them. No, no, DEET is like... Oh, not the, good? Yeah, well, it's kind of like... you got to use something to keep like the ticks GMOs away. GMOs and stuff, you know. Careful of those ticks. Zoom video, to your point, is also up another 1.5%. I mean, again, well below its 52-week high, Jim, but back to that conversation that we, we're going to continue to have. Right. Work from home. I mean, you know, it's not necessarily a only play only during the pandemic, is it? No, look, I mean, when you look at work from home... What you're really looking at is the new house. Now, there has been a definitive move against the housing stocks, as if peak, peak, peak. David, people are still moving from the cities to get a house, to have room, to have a beautiful office. Now, it is true that DRAMs have stabilized, and Micron has been a disappointment. But look at Advanced Micro. I don't know what you're hearing about the deal. I'm hearing any day. Which deal? Sorry. Xilinx. Yeah. Xilinx deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, while NVIDIA is not part of that cohort, let, you know, NVIDIA. I mean, is that David? KeyBank came in this morning and said they're using a 950 price target. They're out of step with the $1,000 price targets. Well, yeah. yeah. We, we already, in the Mad Dash, we talked about well, that. No, but I'm Jim, just pointing out that it's I trading wanna, He wasn't trading I did want to come back to one of the bigger stories this morning as well that we haven't hit yet, which is this ransomware attack. Yes. Um, yes. $70 million is apparently being reported well, they as want the crypto. ask they want crypto. from our evil. And, and here it goes, CrowdStrike again. It, it never stops. I know. Well, and right. We had Sentinel go public last week right here. Yes. Uh, with their AI-powered behavioral... Palo Alto Networks. Uh, cyber you, you know that Nikesh has been able... Nikesh Aurora has been able to profit from this. Mm-hmm. Do not forget... The uh, coming around the turn, Zscale, okay, Zscaler, I've had them on many times, Jay Shawtree, and then Okta. Remember, if you go in the cloud, things are safer in the cloud. I know, but, you know, I mean, they've moved. Well, these are one-month moves. So, yeah, CrowdStrike has had a great move in this last month. These are unbelievable stocks. Yeah. Um, Do you keep buying them? Unfortunately, because they're extended, yes, of which um, I happen to like Palo Alto because it does – both on-prem, right, as on-prem, and it has cloud. Uh, but I think that CrowdStrike's terrific, too. Now, i got to tell you, yeah. Palo Alto's uh, cloud business is, is rivaling everybody's. Nikesh is a very competitive guy. I don't know if, you know if you met Nikesh or Yes, of course. He's competitive. Yes. Uh, and um, I'm always reluctant to count him out and recommend CrowdStrike because it's, I don't know, if we look at the performance, don't forget Fortinet got a bid. Uh, Microsoft, again, we do not talk enough about how Microsoft software is the most hacked software. Because it's not yeah. been updated. I'm not going to blame Sadio, but it's not been updated. People are still using Windows 95, the fools. Um, finally, Jim, you mentioned Amazon breaking out, and then you mentioned Apple. Let me just come back to that, and then we're going to head to break because we've got an important guest coming up. But almost up 1% is our Apple shares. Well, it's seasonal. I mean, the Apple note is actually, I'm not going to say that it's pablum. Because it's better than Pablum. Uh, but it's a historically good time from July to September. I mean, I, I tend not to like those. It's like, hey. Right. Ooh, we wow. looked at a calendar. Well, look at that. We looked back. July. We we're in July. Let's recommend. But it, when you are ahead of a, a uh, launch, uh, it, it tends to work. It has uh, the, the, the piece did say, listen, the company gen- genuinely does better every year. You know, it outperforms. Well, it had a very strong this June. Is, this is Apple's This, is, this yeah. is Apple's move. David. There are people who come on our network, and they have said trade Apple over and over and over again. I am not one of those people. I have said own Apple, don't trade it. 
But do I get, I mean, is there a plaque for me? Is there anything for me? There's enough for you. Nothing. You got all those houses. Just put plaques up in your own the houses. Homes. I'm trying to slim Every down Every home that you portfolio. go to, you could put trying a plaque Trying to slim up. down that portfolio. All right, we're going to take a quick uh, break, of course. By the way, I should point out, Apple's still trailing the broader market by a good amount. What's coming up next, you ask? The CEO of Nextdoor, Sarah Fryer. She's going to join us first on CNBC. The company is going public via SPAC. First, though, let's give you a quick bond report. And for that, we will take a look at how treasuries are faring this morning. Yields, you see it right there, slightly lower, two in the 10, each hitting what is the lowest level they've had in around two weeks. Investors awaiting, of course, the Fed's latest Get meeting minutes. David, buy a house. They're due out buy tomorrow. One, buy one. And they'll be watching for any further clues from the central bank regarding the direction of monetary policy. Yes, we tend to do that, don't we? We'll be right back. Next door, announcing it will become a publicly traded company. David, it's through a merger with Coastal Ventures Acquisition Company. And you know this is therefore a SPAC. Uh, is this actually a SPAC report? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, the no Coastal, I guess because I'm doing it. Uh, and Sarah Fryer here, Sarah being next door CEO. Uh, this is a very exciting deal. We had Sarah on last week. Congratulations to both of you. Thank you so much, Jim. Thanks, David, Thank for having you. us on this morning. All right. Sarah, we're going to go right to it. You know, as I explained to you, my wife, Lisa, starts every morning, every single morning with Nextdoor, and she's not alone. And today she would have been glad, uh, met with a story about a baby robin that fell out of a nest. I'm feeding it. Believe it or not, that would be like something she would immediately mention to me. I mean, honestly, <laughs> right then. Then someone, a, a, a gray station wagon, Subaru, parked on Huntington Street. Yes, a rearview mirror window smashed by truck. But, and this is why I bring this up. Second, second item, Sarah, an ad for Optimum, $35 a month. Is that where the money's going to be, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right, Jim. So we're thrilled this morning to be announcing the go public moment with the Coastal Ventures SPAC. It's going to bring in a lot of proceeds, $686 million of gross proceeds and a real blue chip set of investors. And yes, where are we going to invest? Number one is to keep growing the neighborhood. We're a network effect business. More neighbors means more content. Um, Yes, we're going to keep investing in small businesses just like yours. Um, We know that when they thrive, neighborhoods thrive. And yes, we'll keep investing in our proprietary ad tech stack. Because that's how we monetize, and that's how we'll grow a phenomenal revenue stream. Okay, so Vinod, are you interested chiefly in uh, what, what attracted you to this? Is it the hyper-local? Is it the fact that Sarah Fryer has been successful everywhere she's been, whether it be Square or Goldman? What's the attraction? Well, Sarah and I worked together for a long time at Square, Uh we saw its market cap go from $2 billion at IPO to $100 billion. We know each other well. But Nextdoor is the neighborhood social network, just like LinkedIn is the professional network. And it has these strong, not only the strong network effects, but very strong local online offline effects, which are very, very rare. And of course, the, uh, the metrics and trends are really runaway. So we loved all that. Uh, and we love the fact there's so many different growth factors that the company can take in the future. It was an easy company to put our name behind, um, given right. our knowledge of Sarah, her team, and everything else. Vinod, it's David. You know, um, 
I'm looking here, obviously, at uh, some of the growth projections. You only go out to, to 2022, or at least in the slides that I'm looking at. But it appears that growth sort of may have peaked in 2020-21 in terms of on the revenue number, maybe in part because of the pandemic. I just wonder, you know, 40 percent growth is still a great number for 22. But even average revenue per user is seen declining pretty significantly in terms of its growth rate. Is that a is that a concern for you as you try to sell this deal to your SPAC shareholders? It isn't a concern for me. We see accelerating growth, but I'll let maybe Sarah take that. Yeah, Sarah? David, let me grab that. Um, you know, first of all, this is our foray into the public market. So we want to make sure we're doing it with progression projections we feel really comfortable with. But from a business perspective, we're seeing terrific momentum. We saw our Dow, our daily active users, grow 50% year over year last year. So that's always the starting point of any platform network business. Um, and then you mentioned ARPU. ARPU, we're actually seeing phenomenal trends on. If you look at Q1 and Q2, even of 2021, we saw accelerating ARPU. And it's really driven by one, more engagement from the, the members on the platform. Number two, our ad tech platforms getting more sophisticated. And with these proceeds, we'll invest in areas like data science and machine learning. And three, we're finding non-supply-driven ways to grow revenue, particularly around local commerce, local businesses, and really interesting ad formats that you can't get anywhere else. Think about things like maps. Think about anything local. I was talking to Jim last week because of a map we did with Moderna and Albertsons companies around getting vaccines. Only Nextdoor can take that message into a local level and make it happen. So, uh, Sarah, when you have this estimate here for only for not only for nine percent <laughs> growth in ARPU, 22 over 21, is that a low ball number on your part? I don't want to call it a low ball number, but we do want to make sure that we are taking the right steps to be a very successful public company. And we feel great about what you talked about, which is that 40 percent sustained top line revenue growth. The great companies are built because they sustain hyper growth for five, 10 years. Nextdoor is just getting started. We're in 11 countries, 276,000 neighborhoods, but we know this is a global phenomenon and we're gonna take it global. Sarah, how did you know uh, that this would fly? And I say that because, I mean, we post pictures of our dog when we get a new dog. A lot of people post a cat. A lot of people post when someone doesn't clean up their block. How did you know, say, versus Patch? That, uh, you know, which is to me a kind of an ancillary site, that this would work because we've long given up on newspapers. How did we realize that hyper-local would be successful? I mean, for me, it was easy. Number one was community. I'm all about purpose-driven companies. Nextdoor's purpose is to create a kinder world where everyone is a neighborhood they can rely on. I just saw my team actually awake all weekend working on Surfside in Florida and figuring out what are the right messages to get to a community that's really under duress. So number one, I just know it's important and I think it's becoming more important in the world. Second was data. So one of the things I saw at Square is we had access to data no one else had. And that is true of Nextdoor. When people are acting locally, they're giving you so much signal about what their preferences are, what they care about. And in fact, most of their spend happens locally when you start thinking about houses and cars. And we're very influenced by our neighbors. So I knew there was a great business model. And then finally, a great team. Um, we just added a new head of product, 
couldn't be more thrilled with the roadmap that's out there, and I'm so excited that we're now putting the funds behind it to really put a, a huge boost into the company um, and into what we can do in the neighborhood. One last question for me, Sarah. Why, why is Nextdoor so nice and Twitter so mean? <laughs> Well, we're authentic. We're very authentic. You know what? It's hard when you're your authentic self. People can see who you are, a real neighbor at a real address. It's hard to be completely mean. It doesn't mean it's saccharine, right? People have to have tough conversations, particularly locally, because you're not in an echo chamber. But we really go out of our way with our technology, with how we do moderation, to make sure that we're staying ahead of where it can become toxic. And it's actually been fun to watch some of the other networks, frankly, starting to copy us with things like Kindness Reminder. This is where technology and behavioral science can really make a difference in how conversations are created and, and helped online. Well, I never doubted you for a minute, as you know. This is just sensational. Congratulations, Sarah and Vinod. Really great to see you, and I think this is going to be a good one, David. We'll be watching. We'll be watching very closely. Thanks to both. Uh, next door, by the way, we should mention, was a 2015 CNBC Disruptor 50 company. Our weekly newsletter offers a closer look at Disruptor 50 companies, such as Nextdoor. And you can sign up by visiting CNBC.com slash Disruptors good. Newsletter. Our SPAC coverage and Disruptor coverage. Excellent. Not talked about enough. Coming go. up in the next hour, Avenue Capital co-founder, Oh, and also he happens to be uh, the co-owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. Mark Lazarus is going to join us this ahead of tonight's first NBA Finals game. We'll be right back. Let's get to stop trading. What are you focused on? We sit here and look at these new tech companies. We marvel at their valuations. Well, how about an old old tech company, 3M. Okay, it's valued $113 billion. Today, Credit Suisse downgrades it. Says that Mike Roman might have some trouble with these PFAS issues, which is groundwater. Mike Roman is going to soldier through this. He has done a very good job. I am with Mike Roman. He's added some, to, more to health care. But it is just amazing to me that an old company that my father worked for, 3M, sits there at $113 billion. When we have new companies, David, that are valued at 90, 100, whatever, and it's like, oh, yeah, sure. Moderna valued at 100 billion. All right. You had the call the morning, though. Apple and Amazon really breaking out right now, Jim. It's because I spent most of my weekend in the rain looking at the market. That's a very sad weekend. Well, don't forget, I played with NVIDIA the second. Okay. He played with a vacuum cleaner. He won. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu.